All right, this is another episode of Sound of Salvation, and today we're going to be looking at how can this faithless generation believe? How can they believe in God? How can they put their trust in that God, who is God, who I'm telling you is the true, the one and only God, and how can they believe him when they themselves are faithless, they themselves trust no one but themselves and have been uh, given and uh, spoon-fed the lie that faith and trust is just in oneself and doesn't have to be in any other person or thing because you yourself are the creator of your own destiny you yourself are like gods and that's you just have to believe in yourself I call that the Disney version of faith and that leads to death so Firstly, what is faith? The faith of a man is putting one's trust in someone who has made a promise that should hold up. So example would be you're putting your, your faith or trust into a harness when you're going rock climbing and you, you get way up there, you're, you know, you're up there 30, 40 feet in the air and you're, you're gonna jump and you're gonna reach for the next rock knowing that if you fail at that, you have the harness the rope that will catch your fall. You have faith in that thing. That's just an example, but we're looking at the faith in people. And with this faithless generation, it's common nowadays that people fail us and bad things happen to us in return. It's a generation of liars and self-indulgers, so no wonder why people are gonna be let down time and time again. It's a people who do not trust and do not believe in each other. This might be for a good reason just because so many bad things have happened to you and this is the hard part with this generation because truth is now told as lies and lies are now told as truths so many people lack many good qualities nowadays because of our upside down world and testimonies can be hard to discern whether true or false but this is why god gave us a brain so we don't mindlessly follow ideas that will damage us and the people who don't think critically are the people who I fear for the most because they haven't given the tools to know truth with, but disregard those tools that the, the ability to respond to truth being shown to being told to them. And they disregard that and the responsibility for their own pleasure. As, as you struggle to believe other people and you can struggle to believe me, but I will tell you this, that it's... It's not just my testimony that you believe in, no, it's the testimony of the Bible, the Word of God, which provides the testimonies, the New Testament, the Old Testament. We have two testaments. We have promises within the Bible that have been fulfilled and have come to pass, and we can be assured that the future ones will come to pass as well. So that is not blind faith is it no it's not romans 10:17 says so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of god so you do not believe my word when one gets saved they believe the word of god that is spoken from me and that word is spoken by the spirit and that is spirit of truth that is the spirit of god and that is dependent upon the foundation of the word of God 
and that foundation is stable. And so we can look at that foundation and we can see, is it strong, right? Or is it faulty and weak? And so whereas the foundation of your faith in men is weak, the foundation of God is strong. So God is different and it's not because we can't see him or audibly hear him. It's because he can never let us down and never will let us down. This is written in the word of God and has been shown by the image of the invisible God. That's Jesus. That's the word of God. Um, that's um, Again, we have the Bible that's called the word of God, but Jesus is himself, calls himself the word of God. In the book of John, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So... As you hear the word of God, you people who listen to me right now, you are hearing the words of Jesus because it all hinges upon his teachings, which all hinge upon the teachings of the prophets and all have been fulfilled by Christ. And these promises aren't, you know, they do not fade away and God won't let you down because it's all written here. So if you depend upon the Bible and look to the Bible as your authority, you'll know that he does good for the ones who love him. And it's conditional upon if a person has faith in God or if a person does not have faith in God. So that faith is a belief in his son. If a person has belief in his son, he does good for, and you have, you have the blessings of the blessed hope and salvation from the penalty of sin and all these things. But for the one who hates God, and that's the person who does not believe in the Son of God, that is belief and trust in God or in the Son of God, that is hating God. And if one does not have this trust in the Savior, they will inevitably live in their sin nature. After all, their sin nature is not something they can just turn off because it's a part of them. It's been instilled in them from the fall. Um, but they are against God because they believe not in the Son who died for them. Matthew 12, 30 says, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. So for all the people out there that doesn't really think twice about the death and resurrection of Jesus because they're too busy believing in themselves and the things of the world, well, you are against God. As Jesus said, the word of God stands true. And so that should be enough evidence for you. That's enough evidence for me, but you want to know how is this Bible supported and whatnot. So I'll get into that with Jesus, the focal point of Christianity. Firstly, I want to get into um, the question of how can I believe in something I can't see? And although this may seem logical, it's really not that logical because we have faith that there are things that exist in our world that we just don't see or never heard or never seen before, we know that that's not outside of possibility for that to be plausible. So the same thing goes for God. Um, we have never seen or heard from him audibly directly from the mouth of God, but we have heard from him from the gospel, the word of God, which Jesus then became the hands and feet the church who is speaking to you right now that's from me so all this evidence points towards christ and it's just like a, a scene of a crime and the investigator initially doesn't know who committed the crime but there is a scene and there is an empty tomb and so with the scene of the crime maybe it's um, a murder and there's someone dead someone had to do it well now there's a empty tomb 
so there's uh, someone had to do something it's either something supernatural or something natural uh, whereas his followers stole the body which we'll get into why that's not possible so the faith of Christianity stems from the hard evidence that Jesus rose from the grave because of eyewitnesses and witnesses of eyewitnesses of supernatural events but this is not just unfounded evidence this, this is founded in something very strong and upon investigation it will lead you in a certain direction and so God gave you a brain. Use your brain. Use the tools he gave you to discern truth from error. So no one's asking any, anybody to believe blindly but I'm asking you to use this approach to figure out and come to a conclusion that makes sense and I'm not even going to get into the fact that there is a God that just seems too obvious to me just because the world we live in is fine-tuned for life as well as us as people being inherently religious all wanting to worship something so it's a world program for life and life programmed for God for a relationship but sin has tainted that relationship so it's up to us to believe and his solution to get back in that um, that direction of life, that relationship with God. Let's first look at the evidence, um, the evidence that we have, and you guys can come up with a conclusion yourself. So let's begin with the verse of, um, of Luke 1.1. 1, 1. And uh, this is Luke. He's a witness of the eyewitnesses. He's much like us, who hasn't experienced the risen Jesus, who hasn't seen the risen Jesus, but has experienced the effects of the risen Jesus in the Spirit of God, just like the wind we can't see the wind but we can see the effects of the wind and so luke sees the effects and he investigates and uses the tools god gave him and writes the book of luke and acts and in luke 1 1 he says for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us that's the resurrection of Christ, the Messiah, the gospel, these things that are believed among the followers of Jesus. And Luke, who wasn't eyewitnesses, is a believer based on the evidence that he'll give you in the book of Luke. If you read it, you must read the word of God. If you're truly seeking truth, I uh, urge you to read the word of God. If you're not, you surely do not care. Uh, verse 2, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses, and ministers of the word it seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order most excellent Theophilus that thou mightest know certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed so he's saying you can know for certain because of the evidence I'm laying out before you and because of my my colleagues he says my my brethren in christ the disciples followers of jesus who also were witnesses and witness of uh, witnesses of the eyewitnesses um who all came together who all discussed these things who all exchanged their stories and proved each one to be verified and true um so we have four gospel accounts number one but um we're gonna look into all these elements of evidence about Jesus, who he was, his existence, what he said, what he did, and how he died and resurrected and his tomb was empty. So, firstly, Jesus foretold of his death and resurrection. In Luke 9, 18-22, this is right after the feeding of the 5,000, in which he actually fulfilled a great prophecy, in which in um, 
uh, Exodus or Deuteronomy, I forget which one, but um, I think it's Deuteronomy. Uh, God said that he would raise up a prophet greater than Moses, and in those days God fed um, the, the nation of Israel in the desert, and now Jesus fed the 5,000 in the desert, uh, fulfilling that prophecy. In uh, Luke 9, 18-22, it came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? They answering said, John the Baptist? But some say Elias or Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets is risen again. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? So who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, saying, The Christ of God. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man this thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. So Christ himself knew he would die. This was no surprise to him that he would be taken by evil man and then uh, tortured and then killed and then raised the third day. This was for the fulfillment of the prophecy that this would come to pass. So he charged them not to tell anyone these things that he was the Christ of God because he wanted himself to be the fulfillment of that prophecy. Next thing we have is Jesus died, and by all four accounts of the Gospels, as well as the Roman and Jewish historians, they all record this event. Next, Jesus was put in a rich man's tomb that was guarded by Roman soldiers, and after three days, his tomb was empty, no question there. This is the case, and it's been verified by uh, different accounts, including enemy testimony of the Jewish authorities who hated Jesus. So if Jesus' tomb wasn't empty, um, and many people thought he was, you know what they would do with those Roman soldiers? They would have taken the body and put his his dead body on display for all to see and say, no, his body wasn't, wasn't empty, guys. Boom. But they said, yeah, it was, and we're missing a body here, so it's empty. His, his tomb... His grave was empty. Next, after he had risen, no one even believed that Christ had risen. Firstly, he appeared to the women. The first one is to see and believe. And a woman's testimony was not as strong as a man's in that day. So when the women went to the men and the disciples and followers of Jesus and said, oh, Christ is risen, they said, no way, until, until they saw him and appeared to them. This is embarrassing testimony of the disciples and would make it even more believable because they showed the lack of belief and cowardice that they had before the reason Jesus and then after they go on to live a horrible life without any benefit for their hard work and, and seemingly gain nothing in the eyes of the world. So they didn't have the, the three different motivators and that is sex, money, power. They didn't gain anyone, they lost all of those. Most likely a lost sex, money, and power. So this shows that they actually believed that they had saw the risen Jesus. Acts 5.41 says, And to the, him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, so this is the Sanhedrin commanding men to beat the apostles, and commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and then they let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to preach and teach Jesus Christ. So there you have it. These men, the disciples of Jesus, were beaten but yet rejoiced because they were counted worthy 
to suffer shame for his name because they knew that Christ did the same and they were the body of Christ and uh, they knew of the glory that awaited them. If they're great liars, surely they wouldn't die for that lie because great liars make poor martyrs. These are people, these were Jews and Jews had the, the privilege, they had the prestige, I guess, of being descendants of Abraham and were thought of as better than Gentiles. They were the elect nation of God, which is true. Uh, before they experienced the risen Jesus, they had prejudice in their hearts for non-descendants of Abraham, as well as the unbelievers who disregarded the message of Christ. An example of this is in Luke 9:52 through 54 says, And um, Jesus sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into the village of Samaritans to make ready for him. So this is filled with unbelievers. This is, this is a people who had integrated pagan culture, pagan peoples hundreds of years before and mixed in with them and uh, had become uh, a nation of, of pagans um, who believed not in the one true God. And so Jesus went to them and they did not receive him because his face was though he would go to Jerusalem. So basically the people received not Jesus because he was going to go to Jerusalem and not to their town. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? And uh, as you see there, these disciples uh, hated, they had prejudice in their hearts for unbelievers who believed not them and their prestige over them, I guess. And, um, they wanted to kill these people, um, which, is, which is a sad thing. But after they saw the risen Jesus, they had love for all as Christ loved them and gave himself for them. And so they consider themselves worthy to suffer shame for his name. So we have, we have radical differences in character only possible by a spiritual transformation in their hearts. John 13, 34, 35, uh, this is Jesus's a new commandment which he gives unto them and he says a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another by this all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another so while they had no power to do this on their own strength they eventually had a spiritual anointed uh, anointing of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and were able to speak in tongues, tongues is uh, speaking in different languages, to proclaim the gospel to other people of other nations so that uh, the kingdom of heaven could grow on earth, okay? And this all began at Pentecost. Um, Acts 2, 1 through 7, um, and Pentecost is a Jewish feast day. And I'm going to make another episode on Jewish feast days. Uh, Christ fulfilled the first three feast days, and he will fulfill the last four in his second coming. So that's a cool one to go over. I'm going to do that. So stay tuned for that one, guys. But in Acts 2, 1 through 7, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, other languages, 
as the Spirit gave him utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. So many, many different peoples in heaven, uh, under, under heaven, in earth, um, who had different languages. When, when this, this speaking in tongues, this, this event became known to everyone, um, it says in verse 6, And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together. So the outer people from in Jerusalem said, Hey, in this room, out in this in this place, a bunch of people like speaking in much different languages. It's really crazy come. And so a multitude came, gathered together, and they were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. So in Jerusalem at the time, you had people of different uh, nations, so different languages and and they, they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? So the men in the room, many of which were Galileans, but they were speaking not, Gal uh, they were speaking not Aramaic. Um, they were speaking other languages. So that was the beginning at, at uh, Pentecost of the gifts that God gave the church to proclaim the gospel to ends of the earth and that's the only possible way that it was possible for it to even happen was for men to speak different languages to different nations that's the only way that you know the apostle paul to travel to you know a variety of different countries i'm not sure how many he went to but he traveled i think over uh 10, miles or something like that many many miles uh to different uh, nations under different languages and spread the gospel of the kingdom in their language and he only knew two languages maybe Greek and Aramaic he was a well-educated Jew but he went to Ethiopia and nations of Africa and in Europe all these different places and spoke in their tongues that's evidence itself that Christianity is founded upon actual supernatural <laughs> miracles um, so Matthew 28 17 through 20 says this is talking about the risen jesus and when they saw him the risen jesus they worshiped him but even so some doubted so, so some even though they see christ raised from the dead they even doubt because of their sin this is not a brain issue it's not up there it's not intellectual it is a spiritual issue in their heart that their sin and lust and love for the world is greater than that of seeking and discerning truth and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in the earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, whoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. The gospel spread, although it originated from a small group of men, and those men were mostly illiterate, uneducated fishermen. Acts 2, 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So out of this small group, in one day you had 3,000 added people. You come up with an explanation to how that's possible without something miraculous happening because there's nothing like this in history. There's no religion that's like Christianity. None whatsoever. Not, not Islam, not Buddhism, not Hinduism, um, not all the others. There's so many, but they're all not true. They, they come not in comparison to the foundation of the faith of truth.
And so the Roman government and the Jews were trying to stamp out this new religion, but it didn't work, although they persecuted them all. And the more they persecuted, the more souls that were added to the kingdom of God. So you guys tell me what you think about that, but that's enough evidence for me to believe. Um, so we can't actually visibly see what happened with Jesus because we were not there. But that doesn't mean this event or these events couldn't actually take place. The way that this generation believes is the same way that previous generations believe. And that's by the gospel of your salvation. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword dividing between uh, soul and spirit, discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. So this is this is powerful stuff. And this power was, was presented in a way in, in the works of the apostles. If you want to learn more about that, go read the Acts of the Apostles. That's a book in the Bible, Acts, written by Luke, a witness of eyewitnesses. And so the same applies to us. We're, we're not eyewitnesses, but we want to gather the evidence and we have eyewitnesses and their testimony written in the Bible. So let's look to that and see if it's true or not. Um, but if you're desiring a sign to believe, that's, I mean, that's true, right? We all desire a sign to believe. But this is what Jesus says in Matthew 12, 38 through 40. He says that when certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. And he answered unto them, saying, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So this is the sign that Christ raised from the dead. And these scribes and Pharisees didn't see this event because they're pr too prideful. So this is for the audience that listens to me right now. Humble yourself so that you may see the risen Jesus. He'll show himself to you through his word. And uh, it will touch your hearts and you'll be saved by it. So we, uh, the supernatural is... It's, it's plausible for, for all people to believe. But once we realize that the world was created by a creator and we look at the evidence for Christ being raised from the dead, we, we have to at least keep it in mind that this is a supernatural event. And if this is a supernatural event, the God that Jesus preached and raised him from the dead is the only one true God because Jesus preached that there is only one God and only God, one God. God worthy of worship and based on his resurrection from the dead we can know of the validity of the whole Bible to be verified through the person of Jesus Christ very very uh, serious stuff but even so many people want to see evidence um, and I understand that 100% but as I was saying earlier about uh, the things of the spirit is not visible it's like the wind you can't see it you can see the effects of the wind and so are all those born of the Spirit. It's a spiritual awakening. It's being transformed by the renewing of, of the heart, the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within you. And God doesn't work his deepest work in your shallowest parts, in your emotions. So you're not necessarily going to feel it when you pray to God for him to save you. You're not going to you're not going to feel some crazy euphoric feeling that's, that's probably of the devil because the devil uses feelings to um, deceive. Good, good feelings to deceive. And uh, if you want to look into that, it's called the Kudalini Spirit. And that's a false Holy Spirit. The devil tries to do everything the opposite of God. 
And so his Holy Spirit is called the Kundalini Spirit, and uh, that, that's seen in all the false religions and in a false sects of, um, of Christianity. Um, that's the different denominations that call themselves whatever spiritualists and whatever, and they say they believe in Jesus and all these things, but yet um, teach baptism of fire where they hand, lay their hands upon people and they say fire and, and the people fall down and, and collapse to the ground and, and start laughing uncontrollably. But all these religions, whether it be Buddhism or Hinduism or Christianity, um, they've all had these effects take place in, in false religions. That's what I'm saying. So that's a false Holy Spirit. And so you must discern truth from error because he doesn't work in your emotions. He works in your spirit to make you spiritually alive and um, to be a child of God is you know, to be a child of the light and proclaim the gospel. So you'll be given a love for Jesus Christ. But if you're one who who doesn't believe until you see, let's, let's read John 20, 29 of the um, disciple Thomas, who was one of the 12 called Didymus was with them, was not with them when Jesus came and the other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord, but he said unto him, them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, all his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And the question is, are you like Thomas in this unbelieving world? There's many like Thomas, and it may still be hard for you believe to believe, but just can't believe in something you can't see, and that's a problem. Maybe you want to believe, just can't. That's a problem. But it's a problem that can be solved by asking God to give you, to, to help your unbelief help your own belief and by humbling yourself every you know all sin usually is is out of pride and arrogance um, or ignorance but God gave you brain tools God gave you conscience another tool to to discern truth from error and then to humble yourself submit yourself to God and say God save me from my own belief from my sin and it's not up to you to save yourself. Remember that it's up to God who promises that he'll, he'll save whoever comes to him. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. John 10, 27 through 30. I'm going to end it on this powerful verse. It's, a, it's about the sheepfold and um, the question, do you want to be of the sheepfold, of the good shepherd, or do you want to be of a world without a, without a good shepherd, with the with evil mastermind running the show awaiting his destruction and plotting for your destruction do you want to be of the good shepherd in the sheepfold or do you want to be of the cattle that are being led to the slaughterhouse as the moment because our good shepherd died for us so that we may never die but those who follow the devil in his ways will die and 
will die forever. So John 10, 27 through 30 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. The Word, Jesus Christ, is one with the Father. God wants relationship with you, and the evidence is there. It's not blind faith. It's faith in the promises of God, and we can know this by the Word of God. And you just want, you just, you're just gonna want to want to, you're just gonna want to read the Bible. So I urge you to, to read the Bible, and uh, I'm gonna ask you, you know, read the King James version. That's what I read. That's um. But honestly, as long as you're seeking truth and, and praying to God that He keeps you away from error and that you can discern the ways of the devil and the one who appears in facades and masquerades as an angel of lights that you may see right through that disguise and be led by the spirits. He'll lead you, but the word, the word guys, Bible. I know, it's not a boarding book. A lot of people think it is. I, so I started reading a little bit ago and it's, it's, it's done wonders for me. So I hope uh, everyone who's listening to this believes and uh, can understand where I'm coming from and examine the evidence themselves. So that's all I got for you today, guys. God bless you.